welcome to a brand new Dr. Polecast. I am your host, Charles Pohl, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the incredible Dr. Pohl. And we are glad to be back, aren't we, Dad? Yes, we are. It's been a long time. We've been very busy, of course, and crazy with everything else. But here we are. We're and still going. I promise we will be better about making new episodes. It has just been a couple of years of craziness. So we're starting to settle in. We're uh, starting to do a lot more new content You're coming your way. And I'm going to start the day off just by letting you know, kind of the viewers, what is new in the world of Dr. Pohl. So um, just to let you know that uh, we are going to be launching a new season of The Incredible Dr. Pohl, July 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern on Nat Geo Wild. Isn't that exciting, Dad? Yes, it is. Uh, this season was made before this Corona virus came. So, yes, everything is still normal. And after that, we'll see what happens. Uh, so far, this season should be good again, like all the others. And I hope everybody can good. watch it. Good. You got a granddaughter. <laughs> it was more than good, right? It's yes. Just, it was a great, great season, I think, in my opinion. We're going to shift gears now. And uh, tomorrow is Father's Day. So, Dad... Um, Let's talk about fatherhood a little bit, because since we've done the last Dr. Polecast, I have joined the ranks of fatherhood. <laughs> yes. yes. And somebody is very happy about that because this little girl is so cute. It is so much fun to be around her. Has the ready smile. I think that she got from her grandfather all the time. But anyway, she is so cute, so fatty easy going also and i think charles and beth are just so happy to have a little girl like that yeah um but i think that the person who's most excited might be oma and opa because they were very all you know we had the first one and uh this the first thing i hear after congratulations is when are we going to get the next one <laughs> of course, <laughs> one is never enough. It's so strange because, uh, you know, the other grandchild is already 22 years old. So there's a lot of difference in between those two. But I think that uh, when they get a little older, the, that age will different. That age difference will just about go away. And I hope that everybody gets along. But at the same time, yes, fathers are very important in the family. Just, you know, in the case like this, Charles finds out also that, hey, you know, you got to do a lot of things that uh, you normally didn't do before. And it takes more responsibility. And I think this is very important that we just work all together to, to raise a child so that she's going to be a happy, go-lucky, easygoing, outgoing girl. I always thought the expression, it takes a village, was just that, an expression. But it's a literal truth. It takes a village to raise a child because... If it was just two parents, we would both go crazy. Um, you know, it, it is that is one of the things that really has surprised me about being a father. But I think the most surprising thing is that you join a club that you don't realize exists until you actually have a child. And that's, that's right. Yes. And the, those clubs kind of have their initiations. And I just want to relay a little story. When Abigail was first born, I was sitting in the hospital that night and um i fell asleep abigail was in her little crib and i had a dream that 
she was underneath the heat lamp that they put them on when they first when she, they first are doing their inspections and she first comes out they take them to a table and put a heat lamp on and i i just i don't know why but i was just dreaming she was under this heat lamp and she was getting hot and i woke up in a terror that my daughter was like overheating and being roasted under a heat lamp and I realized, no way, I'm no longer, she's right here, there's no heat lamp. But I got to tell you, I could not go back asleep until I actually touched her forehead to make sure that she didn't have a temperature. I know. And I when know I relay story. that story, like every new father seems to have a very similar <laughs> oh, experience. Yes, yes. It, you know, as you well know, that you know, all our three kids are adopted. And uh, you know, when we got Kathy the first time, she was already 10 months old. And yes, so she was just sleeping by herself. But I tell you, that first night, I think I woke up five times to go to the bedroom and make sure everything was fine. And uh, yes, so like you said, it takes a village, a child said. It's true because we had neighbors across the street that you know, started loving the kids. And this is how they get experience. No, not just from mom and dad, from, but from everybody in the village. And yes, that is you know, part of being a father, a friend, or a neighbor where you get the where you give the child experiences in life, and those are important. And yes, being a good father is hard because it takes a lot of time and effort. And I think Charles and Beth are getting to know that that you know, times have changed when when you know you just do it together, and then you have a child, right, Charles? <laughs> That's right. And then the idea that it's just the two of us is no longer the case. It is definitely three's company. Um, but, but then again, you know, mom, Opa and Oma are not that far away. So, uh, hey, can you come over and babysit for a little while? And of course, Oma loves that. Opa he, doesn't have much time to do it, but uh, every so often he comes over too. And then, you know, to see and, and play with your grandchild is really, really, really nice. It, honestly, for us, being a grandfather is the nicest thing because you can spoil the kid and just give it back to the parents. But at the same time, yes, to, to interact with a little girl like this is unbelievable. And being a father is just a beautiful gift of God that we love to have and keep and just cherish for a long time. You know, one of the things that uh, this being the Dr. Polcast and that animals are kind of our thing um, with fatherhood. One of the things that I kind of discovered and, and I just want to pass this along for a lot of new parents because they they know that we have Great Danes and people ask about bringing Abigail home from the hospital with the Great Danes. And I think that one thing that you can do, I recommend that every parent um, when you go to the hospital and you're you go through the birthing experience and everything like that generally they put on a hat right away on on your son or daughter and um what i did was later that night when i went home to take care of the animals i brought that hat with me that my daughter had and i actually let my animals sniff it before they even got to meet Abigail, they sniffed and they sniffed and they were super interested in that, that hat and that smell. And then I went back to the hospital and, and usually you have to wait two days before you can take your baby home. So the second day I brought the socks that she were wearing, I brought them back and let them sniff and sniff and sniff. 
And actually, it really worked because by time I brought Abigail home from the hospital and, and Beth and I came in there, they they might knew. they knew they, they knew might not yeah they might yeah. not have actually met her and they but were they curious but they weren't as jumpy they weren't like freaked out they were just really really excited if anything um but then again these animals already knew that beth was pregnant before and they knew something was going on especially you know athena charles's older dog was so 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 smart and uh, so she knew something was going on so when they smelled it and a dog smell is unbelievable they can smell things so far away and so hidden that we have no idea sometimes i wish i had it but then again i'm glad i don't because you know maybe it would be a lot worse stinky yes but when they smelled the baby they knew it was there so when it came home they already knew that there was a new addition to the family and they already were happy with it yeah and it was i mean athena was not just happy i mean when she saw that hat i gotta tell you she danced circles i mean she was jumping up and down atlas our our other great dane the puppy the male puppy he is a little bit uh i mean he was definitely interested in the smell but he was more excited that i was home but athena really 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 got excited when she smelled that hat that's what made her excited she knew we had a new family member and that to me was just as incredible as you dad yeah and you know now charles of course he grew up with danes too and somewhere or other there's a picture of him sleeping on top of a dane uh, abigail's probably doing the same thing soon too because these danes are so naturally uh yeah attracted to uh, a child like this uh, for some reason or another they know that they are little people and they protect them one way or the other uh, I've heard already Beth say when uh, she's changing Abigail that suddenly the door opens and that black face is looking around the corner and Atlas looks at her okay everything is right and then walks away again they have to make sure that everything is fine and when things change a little bit they check on you. Uh, they are so safe with these kids. It's unbelievable. I have a, I do have a question because there are other breeds that are a little more hyperactive than Great Danes, obviously. So what do you recommend with people who might have a dog that's more of a one or two person dog, uh, like smaller dogs and stuff like yeah. that with, with little kids? But the, the main thing is when you bring the baby home, that do not forget to pay attention uh, to the dog. You cannot just kick the dog away. Let the dog come up. Yes, dogs may have come carry some bacteria or anything, but there again, it is a medical fact that if kids crawl on the ground with animals, cats or dogs, before they are a year old, their allergies later in life are reduced by 30 to 40%. So yes, maybe there are bacteria and there's dander and all that stuff, but Normally, they do not get sick from being around a healthy dog. So don't push the animal away when you have a baby because then the animal gets jealous. That baby has to be just part of the clan that the animal is in. And that is by far the best way to bring them together so that the kid and the cat and the dog love each other. And the thing about it is, too, is that your dog may be interested in sniffing. Do not let your dog sniff or lick your baby in the face, in the hands. 
But no. if they're going to sniff anything because they do want to get they do want to get up there. That's the yeah. their their tool right. to get to know somebody is their nose. Um, so let them sniff the baby's feet. The feet are the perfect um, part of the baby's body to give them. If they want to sniff something, let them sniff the feet a little bit. Don't let them lick the feet, but you can let them sniff the feet. And, th and that's been very successful with the dogs and Allison. And really, since we corrected them a few times, they've been, that's where they go. If, if they want to sniff her, they sniff her feet. Yes. And, and that's by far the best. Now, personally, I never let a dog lick my ear in the face. Uh, I don't like it because their tongue has been in places where I don't want to be. And so, yes, don't let They can actually lick. have harmful bacteria. I mean, yes. there's been cases of flesh-eating bacteria living in a dog's mouth and transferring. So be very cautious about letting your dogs lick you for those reasons. The, the number of bacteria in their mouth is astronomical. Right. Uh, like I said, the, the tongue is, uh, has been in places where I don't want to be, so that's not clean. And, but that, again, if it just smell, that is fine. You know, but uh, don't let, uh, like I said, I don't let dogs lick my face or the baby's face, period. Yeah, no, that's not a safe thing to let the dogs lick the baby's face. The other thing that you're going to be want to be aware of, and, and for all those parents who haven't had them yet, or people who are getting a dog and maybe have young kids, the dogs love baby toys. Um, <laughs> so make sure that, uh, you correct your dogs and be aware, cognizant that a lot of, uh, baby toys are very similar to dog toys. So yes. they do not distinguish between the two. And, and before you know it, you will see your daughter's baby toy in your great Dane's <laughs> mouth. Yes. And, you know, in a way that doesn't hurt as long as you wash them again, because everything that the baby has goes in the mouth, too. So, yes, you don't want to have the same toy goes into the dog mouth and in the baby's mouth, of course. So wash them up. But at the same time, don't take all the toys away for the dog. Uh, just keep them separate. You know, uh, anything that the kid is playing with and it's done with it, put it up. Maybe just wash it. But the dog toy is a different one. So, yes. Keep them separate, and later on, you know, they can play together with maybe the same toys like pool toys and so on, but not at this moment when they're that young. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great experiences that Abigail's got to have or gotten to have with a lot of animals. And I think it's something that's super important that um, if it's possible, if you have the opportunity uh, introduce your baby to as many animals as you can. Give them a chance. Be cognizant of the animal you're introducing your baby to. Don't just broadly trust them. But it's great for your child to, to know and experience and be around animals. And it's great for the animals, especially if they're your animals, to be around and interact with babies. And you'll be surprised at how quickly animals pick up on the fact that this is an infant they treat them very differently than they treat us and and to me dad that's one of the most incredible yes. things this is so amazingly that i found with dogs how they protect children you know you can see a dog that is a watchdog and strangers come and they start barking but the kid comes and in no time flat, you know, the dog is just standing by the kid. The kid is, you know, petting the dog. And especially with our big dogs, you know, they are, they, when, when they see somebody strange coming, they bark. And uh, the same thing when the kid comes, 
within 30 seconds, it seems like the dogs are around the kid, wagging their tail and wanted to be petted because they don't see, uh, they know that a kid is not a mean person. That comes later in life, it looks like. And yes, I think dogs can tell whether you know a man or a woman is not an animal lover, is mean to animals, and they let you know. And this is what I've said also many times. When you let an animal tell you what it wants, what it does, and what it feels like, it opens up a complete different world. And the younger that you're exposed to animals, the more experience you can get that way. So Charles is very right about that. Well, it's not just dogs. I mean, horses exactly are, are right. really Every, good. Animals, I said. Animals. You know, it's just any animal, it seems like. Any domesticated animal will protect kids. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, even our goat, even no, yeah. no, treats Abigail very differently than she treats the other animals yes. or, or even us. And I've had it, you know, where we had, uh, you know, at this uh, Hopewell Ranch, they tell, told me a story around about uh, a little girl that was autistic and was hardly talking. And suddenly one of the horses walks up to her and more or less takes her between her front legs and puts her head over it. It was like an eight, nine-year-old little girl. And this was like the horse was protecting the little girl. In no time flat, she was petting the horse, and the next thing they knew, she was talking to the horse. So this is what animals will do for kids. And this is what we are so happy about, that animals ha are such a big part of our lives. That's right. And I think that, uh, you know, animals are great. Like, I... I can't, if I didn't, if I didn't have animals my whole life, this change to fatherhood would have been so much dra more yes. drastic. I mean, they, you know, the, the similar sense of responsibility every day, you have to go out and feed your animals, rain or shine, hot or cold, whether you want to or not, you have to go outside and take care of your animals. They are, you're responsible for them and they rely on you for everything. And that sounds kind of familiar. Yes, it does, because this is where, you know, we were always so uh, so very supportive for 4-H, where the people will get animals and the kids then will have to take care of them. A uh, very sad situation this year where all the fairs are canceled. These kids now have put so much effort in raising their fair animals, and now here in Michigan all the fairs are closed, they can't sell them, and basically they don't know what to do with them at this moment. Yeah, it's 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 a real problem. Yes. And I I'm glad you brought that up dad because I think we'll we'll take a couple of minutes here at the end of the epi or the end of this podcast and and actually address that. So for all the people who aren't involved with 4H or maybe were involved but um haven't been in in years, um 4H right now is definitely um going through the same challenges that a lot of the businesses in this country are going through, they have to kind of cancel events and the people actually who are going to get hurt the most are the kids who've invested time, um, financially in animals. And, um, it's going to be hard for them to find buyers for those animals. Even if they could, um, right now, I don't think you can get an animal into a slaughterhouse anywhere in 
I don't know. In our area here, yes. Yeah, not in our area. I don't yes. know what, what about across the country, but it's it's very difficult to, to even process your an animal if you bought it. And, um, you know, w- to find homes that are willing to, to hold the animals indefinitely until they can can go to the auction or, or into processing is is asking quite a lot. Right. Um, so be cognizant of it. There are programs. You can go to 4-H. Um, we encourage you to go to 4-H. Go to their website. And I know that they have programs right now um, to help donate to 4-H based on what has been going on and with COVID-19. And I know that they have a special fund for COVID. So please, I encourage you, everybody, to uh, go over there, check out what they're doing at 4-H, and get involved. I mean, even if you can't donate right now, involvement is also what they need. They need volunteers, adult volunteers to help with kids. They're doing online classes, online participation. So if you got special skill sets, they need leaders, all kinds of things. So um, volunteers are, are something that that 4-H always needs. So it doesn't have to be a financial gift. It can just be a gift of donating your time. Yeah, uh, if you contact the kids in 4-H and see how they can be, can be helped locally also, not just on the national level. Yeah, because I, this, I think it, it yeah. it's something that they need. And, and that's one of the things about the national level is they will direct you back to the local level so that if you don't know your local 4-H leadership, do not fret. Just go to the 4-H uh, website and they will direct you to the local leadership and um, usually every state has an extension office a 4-h extension office here in michigan there's a michigan 4-h extension office and you can call there too um, if you're in florida there should be a florida 4-h extension office and that again that is all part of fatherhood where you have to teach the kids how to take care of the animals and this is what 4-H is all about. So, yes, at this moment when everybody was doing the best to help the kids raise the animals and then the kids cannot take care of them and cannot keep them indefinitely. It takes a community. It takes a community. It is a you know, village that raises the kids and the animals. Yeah. And so be a good villager, be a good community member and uh, go check out 4-H and see how you can get involved. Like I said, uh, they need volunteers as much as they do money. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for an all new Dr. Polecast. We will be back next week with another episode. Yes, that's right, Dad. I'm committing you to another episode next week of the Dr. Polecast. And we will be coming with you with more and more new content. Remember, the premiere of the Incredible Dr. Pole is on July 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget that it's an hour and a half. An hour and a half episode. We've never done that before. So supersize, supersize everything. Yes. So, yes, I hope that uh, everybody can tune in and watch us again and we'll be in touch one way or the other. All right. Until then, thank you for joining us. And until then, guys, we'll see you on the next Dr. Polecast. Cast.